G'day and welcome back to the Talking Leadership TV podcast series. Thanks for joining us again. Our guest today is Marla Alberti. She's lived on a United States carrier and therefore understands the value of work-life harmony, autonomy and job crafting, which are areas that she's dedicated her research efforts under her PhD studies in industrial and organizational psychology or the study of how people behave at work. She believes people need to understand their value and their worth in order to make progress in their careers and lives which feeds into their behavior. She's putting together a series of what she calls fun books starting with the ultimate brag book about yourself, a hundred questions about how awesome you are. Marla is the owner and founder of the Truth Speaks Group LLC, a multimedia company that creates strategies and solutions for work-life integration and harmony. And more recently, a non-profit organization to help teens discover the field of industrial and organizational psychology. Marla is a certified life coach, trainer, associate professional in training and development, author, and has over 20 years of business coaching and training experience. She holds a Master's of Education, Bachelor of Applied Science, and an Associate of Science. As a native of Jacksonville, Florida, she loves to read, travel, and shop. Thanks again for joining us. I know you'll enjoy this podcast session, but enough from me. I'll hand over to Marla. Marla, thank you again for agreeing to have a chat with me. Now, as I said offline, I typically do the podcast around my guests' leadership journey, and we may have that conversation at another time, but we've got a couple of key areas that I want to talk to you about. So firstly, thank you for doing this. Of course. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk. Great. So let's look at the intersection, if we can, between leadership training and development. And before we get into talking about that, I have had uh, an ongoing interest in what training means from a leader perspective and what development means from an organizational point of view. And there are mixes and matches where that's concerned. So I'll get started uh, and I'll allow you to lead the conversation here is what do you think that intersection looks like? Oh, wonderful question. Well, first of all, these are two areas that I'm very passionate about, right? So we have training and development and we have leadership and I've I'm certified in training development. And then I'm also, I have a lot of leadership background and experience. So it's really good. (laughs) I love it. So there is a huge intersection because how often do we give titles to individuals to, to say, hey, you're a leader, but then there is no training and there is no development behind that, right? We give that title to that individual because they are they are a SME, right? And that's a subject matter expert. So they're a subject matter expert in that particular field, right? So you're really, in other words, you're really good at what you do, which is great, right? But just because you're really good at what you do, who said that you can lead people? <laughs> who said that you can manage people, right? So so a lot of times when we put these people in leadership positions, the SMEs, right? We think back to the training part, what type of training meaning, and let's talk about training, right? So training is not your academia sitting in the classroom or your professor is teaching or talking to you. That, that's not true. Some people think that's training. That is not training, right? Training is where you are getting ongoing learning and education through different formats. It could be through uh, uh, asynchronous. It could be synchronous. It could be classroom, webinar, workshop, listening to a podcast. Um, it could be any one of those areas. So you're getting some type of ongoing learning as an individual. 
All right. So when we place these individuals back to my saying, when we place these individuals in these roles, what has the company provided for them to be that leader, to be that trained, uh, to, to be trained in that particular area? A lot of time, not saying every company, obviously, but a lot of times companies won't provide that information or won't provide that training. So that person is kind of stuck. Or if they do provide some type of leadership training, they will maybe pay for them to go to a class or something or, you know, but, but what I have discovered is, especially through my consulting is a lot of these trainers, they don't know how to people manage, right? That's a difference. They don't know how to lead properly. And then they're put into these roles. The organization is expecting them to adapt to their culture and the organizational ways of how things work. And that person is stuck between the, the rock and the hard place, right? That intersection we're talking about. Now, when you speak about development, to me, development is after that initial training. Development is, continu is the continuation of, right, of the training. So that's the development piece. That's the continuation of what's already going on. You're continuing to do that as a human being, not only just as a leader, but as a human being, as you're moving forward, whatever you're, whatever you're wanting to do. So those are the differences. That training is that initial upfront uh however we want to say type of classroom where we're um, doing that learning, that ongoing learning, the development piece is the continuation of that um, two, three years down the road. So where we say training and development, organizations have to have both and put them together so they can train and lead their teams and their managers, their leaders, and what needs to be changing, right? Because as we know, the the world's changing and Organizations got to keep up with that. So, I, so I'll stop right there because I can keep talking. It looks like you have questions. <laughs> no, 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 that's okay. Um, I, I've often um, had the thought around the almost the assumption that I think some businesses make, and I don't think size of business matters here, that once someone gets promoted up the chain, that uh, the the amount of training and or development they will need is a secondary or tertiary thought to them. It's not, it's not the primary thought. And that right. oft, often I've often had conversations around you tap someone on the shoulder, they get promoted. And suddenly the most basic question is one, do you want to work and lead people? And two, do you have the skill sets or inclination to do that? And, um, that fits quite nicely to what you're talking about, that there, there's some subtle differences between what training is and what development is. Um, yeah. If if the experience is ongoing and immersive in terms of, say, doing a technical course at a, what we call a TAFE, you might call colleges or university, you don't mm -hmm. consider them to be training because it's a fixed Thing it's not yeah. ongoing. Oh, okay. That's that's the difference. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that it's a, right. Is that is a fixed thing? Not thing. It's not a part of their development. You can attend a college course or or some type of you know we have these mocks, these massive open online courses, right? You can, or MOOCs, right? You can attend that, right? So that's a continuation. That's the development piece. You're continuing to develop yourself, but it's not necessarily a training because it's a one-time uh, event that happened, and it's not. You know, it's not put on by your organization, right? So, or you're not bringing someone in; you're sending someone out to to learn other tips, right? So, it's it's a little bit of a difference there. Um, I would consider I would consider that again development, continuation of the development. Sure, and and the distinction um 
we could argue about that for any length of time, but I, I, I understand what you're talking about. And I don't necessarily disagree. I've done a mix of both. And mm-hmm. um, where I think I confuse the issue occasionally is it's all um, uh, ongoing develop. It's, it's all um, continuous learning, that lifelong learning philosophy that you can learn from any one of those experiences. Now, if you tease what they are out, yeah, you get to the definitional um distinctions that you've made and that that makes sense to me now i'd i'd like to ask you at least from an american point of view of what you've seen in american businesses so um this is one of the reasons i wanted to talk to you is that you can give a perspective that i don't have in australia i'm and i'll assume here that there isn't a difference until you tell me that there might be do leaders in organizations give enough attention to the impact of training and development in on their people or is mm. there are there challenges to that and the biggest one i can think of is the cost of doing it yeah. and i mean cost in terms of actual dollars and then cost in time so do you see that tension mm. in the businesses that you've worked with oh yeah oh yeah definitely um the the time to me is to me the time is more of a factor than the cost Right. Because a lot of times when let's say going back to our example, we mentioned earlier, a lot of times when we promote folks or get them into these roles, we want them to start running right away. Even when we hire them from the outside, not necessarily an internal hire, but an an external hire, we'll get them through their onboarding and all of that. But we expect them to be up and running within two weeks. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Now, again, I, I can't obviously speak for every U.S. organization, obviously, but there are some organizations out there that get it, Eric. There are some that will take months to properly train and develop and onboard their people, whether they're internal or external moving, whatever de- department it is or whatever's going on. There are some departments that that spend the money and the time to do that. And there are some that are, you know what? I don't have time. <laughs> you know, I don't have, I need this person coming with X amount of skills, um, I'll show them our culture of how we do things, and then they need to be up and running. They need to be going. You know, take take these take these five online courses that we have in our online academy, and and get, get to running. And let me know how it works out for you in my Doctor Phil voice, <laughs> right? So so sometimes I, I've seen both. Actually, I've seen both, and sometimes with the with the ladder of of having them come in and just get to running, that's where that turnover rate comes from. Because I have taught, I do a lot of um, coaching and I have spoken to a lot of my clients. I, I mainly coach the nine to five working woman. And a lot of them, they're in their role for like a year and they do leave the organization because they feel that the organization does not care about their growth and development, right? That ongoing continuation. They were never properly trained in their role or they'll get in the role, Eric. They'll get in the role and won't do what was described in the job description or the interview. So now they're not even using the skill that they hope that they were hired for. They're using the skill for some, they're, they're not using that skill. They're using a the skill that they never even tapped into. And so, because they need this project over here done, because this project over here is better, is, is more important than what I've hired you to do, right? I, I hired you to do these skills, X, Y, Z. You did them for three, four months, but now mm, that's not important right now. So I need you to do this over here because because the organization doesn't have the budget to go properly bring in a trainer or send them other people to go get properly trained or development to take care of that that gap. So you'll pull someone else <laughs> from another area to go take care of the gap. 
that's that's also a, a, a no-no that I see a lot of companies doing, but, but the reason what you just said is because of cost and is because of time. Um, I think that organizations don't want to put the time into money or money and time into training and development and ongoing development of their people is because a lot of organizations feel that that is the person's job, the, the employee's job to do it themselves, right? Why are we, why am I company, ABC company going to pay for you to go to a course or go to a class or why should I do that? How is that going to benefit me? So a lot of companies are looking at the with them, what's in it for them. When I real, when really the smart companies who are out there doing this, um, the ones who think differently, hey, if I invest in my employee, hmm, maybe they'll have better, we'll talk about well-being, but maybe they'll have better well-being. Maybe they'll see that I actually care about them. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll work a little bit harder for me <laughs> and maybe they'll stay. Maybe they'll, hmm, maybe, maybe they'll be a little bit more loyal to me. So some companies have figured that out. <laughs> some companies, Amazon is one of them. Here's an example of Amazon. I worked with Amazon. Um, I did some a training course with them. Well, I taught a training course with for them. And uh, they have, so they, we're talking about folks who work in the warehouse, right? Why would Amazon want to invest in these people? They, they have thousands of people wanting to hire, line up that, that they can hire to work in the warehouse, right? Because we love Amazon, right? So why would they want to invest in these people? Well, they do. They have programs where if Bobby or Susie or Julie or whomever wants to go learn about IT. Now I'm working in a warehouse now. So I want to learn about IT. The two have nothing to do with each other. Amazon says, we'll, we'll send you to a program and teach you how to do that. And if you, if you leave Amazon, we'll be grateful. If you stay, we'll be grateful. They're not afraid to lose that person. What is the, what is the turnover rate for that? You think Eric it is very low. The people wind up not leaving because they see Amazon has in, helped them, invested in them. And then a lot of them wind up do being promoted within the organization because guess what? Amazon needs an IT person, <laughs> right? But they come from out of the warehouse, right? So it's they're strategic with it. Not saying that Amazon is doing it for their mm -hmm. own care. Obviously you have to have, it's a business, right? Businesses have to make money. We, we all get that. But businesses cannot make money without the people. And so if you're not investing in the people, what does that say about the business? All right? So, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was going to um, just just make an observation there that when when you talk about the who invests in a person's mm -hmm. training and development, I I can understand why the conversation is had of whose responsibility is it, but in terms of funding it, it that can get um, that can get pretty yeah. grey. So here's here's an example yeah. Um, yeah. that I've encountered myself is I. Let's say I'd, I'd finished my undergraduate studies at name your university. I'm working in your company, Marla, and then I get to the point where I go, look, I'd, I'd like to do an honours year to extend my learning in an area that um, may provide the business some um, some additional benefits because it's uh, a form of learning at, at a higher level that could be applied, could not necessarily exactly fits the workplace. Now, um, I think... Optimally, if, if you had the conditions to do this, and I don't for a minute think that's in every business, you you could you should be able to go to your line manager or your boss and say, look, I want to do this. Here's my case for it. Can you help me to fund this? And yeah. at least yeah. being having the that space and the capacity to ask the question. Now, beyond that, then it's a, a decision, I think, with the business. Do I invest or don't? 
I invest because always the risk is if I invest, they could leave. If I don't invest, they could leave. And yeah. the I think the third option there for the employee is I'm pissed off that they didn't help me, so I'm going to stay as long as I need to. Then I'm going to find a, 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 a more... Um, a more progressive employer. I don't know what the word is, but someone who helped me out. And mm-hmm. um, always that question is whose responsibility is it? It And it depends. I think, like you said, is it an investment in the business and my people, or is it a potential cost to me? And I, I don't think there's a natural final um, outcome right. to that, that everyone will agree yeah. with. I, I don't think. Uh, and, and you've made that fairly clear. Look, this, this segues nicely into that idea around quiet quitting and the great mm-hmm. resignation. Mm-hmm. So this will be a two-parter. And I don't like doing this when I'm asking this, so maybe it's two separate questions. Talk a little bit about quiet quitting for me, and then if you can, talk to me a little bit about the great resignation. So let's start with quiet quitting. Yeah, sure, definitely. So kind of going back to your example you just gave, right? So that person says, oh, you know what? Fine, my my, my leadership or my company doesn't want to invest in me, so fine. I'll just come and do my, I'll just come and do my job and won't put anything extra in it. That's a prime example of quiet quitting. You're just coming to work. You're just a shell. And so when I heard the term quiet quitting, I said, oh, we finally have a name to it because <laughs> quiet quitting has been going on for years. People have been doing this for years. People... How many people say, you know, we talk about the job versus the career. When you ask a lot of people, what do you have? Well, I just got a job. I'm not invested. I'm not, you know, they they can have, you know, this activity going on or that. I'm not, I'm not coming to that activity. I'm not doing that. That's extracurricular activity. They don't pay me enough to do that. All those are quiet quitting phrases. (laughs) All of those are quiet quitting examples because that employee says, you know what? Mm-hmm. you know, they don't want to invest in me. So why am I going to invest in them? I'm exchanging hours for dollars. I'm giving them hours. They give me dollars, period. So why should I, why should I be a part of the, the club or the resource group or the extra meeting to help volunteerism out there? Why, why should I do all that? I'm not getting paid anything extra that my, my leadership doesn't value me. My leadership doesn't see me. So why am I going to do anything extra? That's quiet quitting. That's quiet quitting. Quiet quitting is being on the Zoom call. You know, we're in the virtual world, right? Being on the Zoom call in the Zoom meeting with your camera off and only putting your camera on when you're called upon. And when you call upon, when, when you're called upon to give an answer or response. So, um, Eric, what, what do you think about that? Oh, I agree with Susie. And then you cut your camera back off. <laughs> That's quiet quitting. That's been going on for a long time. And I think, I think the reason for this quiet quitting, I think it has... I think now the society society is is paying attention to it more because of, and we can't blame everything on COVID, but COVID did a lot, did a lot of stuff, right? For the world. Um, It changed the world literally. And I think people, I think people are realizing from their jobs, you know, this job really doesn't care about me. This, this job really doesn't. Hmm. I think companies are realizing whether their jobs care or don't care about them. And that means care in a sense of their family, care in a sense of them being a human being, care in a sense of training and development, ongoing growth, um, care about their their work, their environment. That's why I go back to leaders. Uh, this is why leaders need proper manager and leadership people training, because it's one thing to be the SME, but it's something else to be able to lead people. You have to, the number one fact of leading people is you have to like people. I don't know why this is left out of leadership 
training sometimes. <laughs> That's the number one thing of, of, of leadership. It's not the title. It's, it's you have to like people. You have to actually care about the people, right? Before you care about the work they do or before you care about their skills. So if you wonder why they're, they're quiet quitting, it's because it's something the leader's not doing. Because everything, I don't care what we think or say, everything rises and falls on leadership. And that leader, that leader should know that. And if everything rises and falls on me as a leader, I got to stand up and take responsibility of that. If my team is quiet quitting and I'm and I'm not paying attention, there's something wrong. Every leader should know if their team is quiet quitting. Every leader should know that. But are they paying attention to it? Are they trying to busy trying to satisfy the leaders above them to make themselves look good? Mm, I've seen I've seen that quite often. And so that leads into the great resignation. So it's somewhat the same thing, right? But some folks that are quiet quitting can't can't necessarily resign, <laughs> right? So the great the great resignation is coming coming up with that with that baby boomer generation, even my generation, Generation X, right? Uh, you know, what? Mm, I've had enough. I'm tired. I'm good. I'm good. We we I've I've worked since I was 16. You know, I'm 50 now. It's time to stop. <laughs> so it's time to move forward because they've already quiet. They've already done the quiet quitting. So it's say, you know what? It's time to move forward just to do something else that that brings me joy, that that fulfills me. Because if a job does not fulfill you, the, the, the quiet quitting is going to set in first. Then they will resign, right? They will resign and they will move forward. Now, whether they go on to another organization or whether they go on to... Uh, lead their businesses, right? What, what I just what I just recently did, you know, I'm leading my businesses full time. It's whatever that person wants to do. But that person's going to realize, you know what? I have something a little bit more meaning. People want meaning. People want depth. It's not all about just work, work, work and, and typing up emails all day and being on Zoom calls for no reason, right? People want to know their, their work matters. But as a leader, if you're not allowing that space, that allowing that autonomy, I'm studying autonomy in my PhD studies, it's very fascinating. The amount of autonomy that's not allowed in the workplace to let people grow and develop and, and, and flourish. And as a leader, if you're not allowing that, what do you think is going to happen? They're going to quietly quit and they're going to resign and they're going to retire or they're going to just move on and they're going to leave your organization. And as an organization, you should be looking at that. Leaders, chiefs, you should be looking at that. Because yes, you may have a line of people outside your organization knocking to get down, the, knocking to get in there. But do you think that Susie left because of values? Susie left because of your mission? No, Susie left because of a person. So the next person that comes in to take Susie's pace, place, you not think people are going to talk to Susie and tell her the same things? <laughs> and how long is Susie going to stay? So it's going to be a constant issue in, unless the leadership is addressed. The, the top issue is addressed. It's going to be it's going to be a consistent issue. And some again, some companies are getting it and some just don't. <laughs> yeah, you you um I'm fascinated when you talked about autonomy in the workplace. I yeah. I have a view and it's just a view and it's not informed by an evidence base. This is just from experience. So take this for what it is that mm -hmm. when you talk about, um, and I'm, I'm not, I'm, I haven't been through your, your PhD thesis. So um, I'm, again, I'm talking, I'm not talking at my ass here. I'm just talking as an opinion. What I see is that, <laughs> <laughs> is that um, in the workplace, the more you give or sorry, I'll rephrase that, the more you allow for autonomy in your teams, the more control and power you have to give up. And some people are not hardwired to do that. And yeah. so yeah. the the toxic leader, the mm -hmm. um, ineffective leader, the um, shambolic leader, 
that's one of the that's one of their go tos that they will not let go of. And so, yeah, uh, people yeah. are. I think the degree of autonomy, I believe, sometimes comes with the nature of the work. So, if you're like and you use yeah, the Amazon true. example, if you're on a production line, there's only so mm-hmm. much autonomy you can have because you yeah. just have to get. So true. Um, uh, a, a, a physical product out when you're talking about services when you're mm. talking about professional uh, white collar type work so i guess if we're talking about that that the autonomy question and how much uh you don't micromanage someone at that level is a different conversation but i i get why you brought that up so mm-hmm. um if if we've all been quietly quitting for a long time and it's not really a new thing we just found a name and, you know, a new uh, phenomenon. We've just found a name for it. The great resignation. Um, I am still wrestling with what this actually means. Was it, and, and uh, not, not having the ability quite yet to talk to the person who uh, came up with the phrase. And I'd love to pick their brains on why the great resignation was it just an outcome of COVID-19 or yeah. was the world of work building to something that we would have got there and called it this anyway? What what are you seeing, at least from a U.S. perspective? Yeah, no, no, it, you hit it dead on the nail there. I think that is what you just said. Um, we were already building up to it. COVID just, I'm telling you, COVID just sped up a lot of things. We were already on that path. People, like we said, people were already quiet quitting, right? The great resignation, people were already thinking, already realized, oh, my company doesn't care about me. COVID just just revealed that. Like a lot of times they say here in the United, United States, when you win the lottery, you know, it just reveals who you are. It doesn't change you. It reveals who you are. I think COVID just revealed a lot of companies. <laughs> That's what it just did. Now, again, not every company. I cannot speak for, let me put that, I cannot speak for every company, right? But from what I, I do a lot of reading, you know, from what I've read and what I've studied and what I've researched and in my own practice, working with organizations and with my consulting, uh, yeah, COVID just revealed a lot of things. So when it be, when it's revealed, people, for some reason, some companies think their employees are just dumb. Employees aren't dumb. Employees read too. They read Harvard Business Review. They read Time. They read a lot of stuff too. They read what's going on in the world. They're not oblivious to what's going on. So when they start asking you these questions, these hard questions that that other companies can address, but you, XYZ company, can't, they start to say, hmm, okay, hmm, well, maybe I'll go over to that other company because I don't have to stay any longer. We're past the, we are past the days of, I was talking to a colleague about this earlier. We're past the days of, the loyalty, right? We're, we're past that. Um, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with being loyal to a company. I, I, I'm okay with that. You know, but no longer is it frowned upon to have a resume with ten jobs in the past ten years. You know, that's not frowned upon anymore. Um, especially with the millennials and Generation uh, Z coming up. You know what? If you don't, if you're not gonna, if you if you don't ask them about their plants and their dogs and their pets, they're they're out the door <laughs> within three months. Right. So, but you need their expertise. You need their skill set. That's one of the smartest generations to come out. Right. And they're going to continue to grow and get on and develop. Right. So that goes back to what I mentioned earlier. Companies have to keep up with the sign of the times. And if you're not keeping up with the sign of the times, you're you're going to it's just going to pass. So going back to your initial question there. Yes, I think COVID just sped things up and people started realizing, mm, I don't have to do this. I can go somewhere else and make more money. I can go somewhere else and work 
remotely. I can go somewhere else and have unlimited PTO. I can go somewhere else and have all my holidays that I want off. I can go somewhere else and do, do the things that I've always wanted to do <laughs> and still get paid a great salary. I, there are plenty of companies out there that are paying great salaries, whatever you may define as a great salary, six figures and over maybe, but paying a great salary and they're still offering all these benefits and they're offering that a time. Again, what you just said, yes, a time does depend on the role. Um, however, they're offering unlimited PTO. They're offering, and there's studies about that too. We won't get into that, but um, but they're offering these other benefits because again, what is the benefit for me, the employee? Because I'm resigning, but I'm going over here, but what's the benefit for me? You know, I'm interviewing with you, but I'm also interviewing you to see if if I'm a great fit for your company. <laughs> no, no I, I understand that. Uh, I'm interested in that particular statement you just made um and we can go off track here because it's our discussion so we're not we're not fixed on any one topic um yeah you talk about interviewing potential employer that is really Mm -hmm. interesting and and is fascinating to me because i remember on the come up myself interviews were this amazing one chance to get in and you have to sell your skills but that's it it's kind of stopped there and hopefully they picked you over 10 20 30 other people Whereas mm-hmm. now uh, I get the sense that uh, younger in, younger potential employees, so not my generation, mm-hmm. but those in their 20s and 30s, are prepared to put some questions back to their employer yeah. about the workplace. Yeah. And it seems yep. to me not irrational to not to have done that, that in the yeah. interviews that I was with. And I'm like, why didn't I do it? Because I I viewed back then that the employer had all the leverage and I had none. Whereas if they've given me an opportunity to interview, then I need to say to them, you're not just taking a chance on me, I'm taking a chance on you because I want to come here as much as you may need me to be here. And that Mm -hmm. it's a different mindset. Now that all that said, does it, does it potentially have an impact on the culture of the business? Because if you've got a new generation, a new cohort coming into your business that believes that their 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 rights and their um uh their extras in their work is so important that they will change the culture of the place. Like I I see a potential um set of issues growing there that our generation, so we're we're from the same yeah generation you and I that looking back I look at who's coming through and I really don't know a lot more about them other than to say that they are quite keen to put forward what they want and they're not afraid to do that and I don't see that personally as a challenge it's just a different way of thinking about the world of work and um, do you think businesses have caught on to that as a fact for the potential new pool of people coming through, or is it still a surprise to some? Both, both. So let's talk about the death. What is culture, right, Eric? So culture is shaped by, I hate to keep going back to this, but who? Leaders, right? Who shapes the culture of an organization? The leaders do, right? So if the leaders are coming in suit suited up, Fresh cuts, you know, women are wearing their hair back in buns and they're all you know, stuffy. That's the culture they're going to lead. <laughs> so people b- beneath them, the worker bees beneath them are going to feel like they can't be themselves. They have to come with suited up and do this, do this or that. You know, how many times have you seen on interviews or 
are are seeing uh, different articles, folks. We they're interviewing the CEO. The CEO's in jeans and a t-shirt. You know, yeah, yeah. I don't care if they, the my folks come to work in a t-shirt. I mean, I'm I'm th- I'm concerned about their brains, not their clothes. You know, <laughs> you know. So again, but who's saying that? The the leader, the leader. So yes, so yes and no to that. Yes, the 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 leader is the leaders, the chiefs, the uppers are the ones who lead that culture. But it is yes, those new folks coming in can potentially change that culture. And here here's the factor between that, Eric. If they feel that they cannot make change in that culture, they come in and they feel they don't fit into that culture, they'll leave because they want to know what. They, they're making impact. People want to know they're making a difference in the work that they're doing. If they if they can't break your culture wall because your wall is so thick that you've created, right? If you're going to nitpick on every little single thing because your culture has done it for X amount of years, is it time for the culture to change? Maybe so. Maybe so. Is it time for leadership to change? Maybe so. So someone has to see that because cultures are meant to change. They're not meant to stay. You cannot have the same culture you had in 1950 and 2023. I'm sorry, you cannot. Now, can your values, of course, if you have values of integrity, you you should be, that's something you should be anyway. (laughs) You should be, you should have integrity regardless. If you have value of fun, well, doggone it. Yes, continue to have fun. Those those things don't change, but, but the culture that was going on in 1950 is not, the same things that are going on today, the people that w- they were dealing with in 1950 were dealing with different things. The folks of 2023, yes, your culture should fit the times and, and what's and the leaders should know that. If the leaders aren't following through with that, right? Again, let's, let's look at the remote work, right? If an organization does not want to adopt remote work, now keep, we're not talking about factory workers and come on let's use common sense right we're not talking about those type jobs right you cannot work from home and work in a factory we know that right but if you have an organization you mean someone there has to be hr in your organization there has to be legal in your organization there has to be it you mean those people have to be on site they have to be on site (laughs) They, they have to i mean well why wasn't that why wouldn't that hr person that legal person or that compliance person go work from another work for another organization that says they have adopted the remote work and they can just work for them and make more money because your organization, you don't want, you don't want to break this barrier, this wall, this culture barrier you have. So you want to make them come in and, 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 and work for whatever reason from the office. Cause they need to have that come, come, um, camaraderie, which is fine. But what is the, what is the why behind that? What is the reasoning behind that? There, there normally isn't a reason. Right. Because it's most of the time not necessary. So, again, that is that leader or leadership team not keeping up with the times. So therefore, they're shaping the culture to continue to stay in this box. Right. You know, HR departments. I've seen a give a prime example. I've seen a very wide range of HR departments. I've seen organizations that have HR departments that strictly focus on recruiting uh, and onboarding and um and, and pay and compensation. Then, but you have training and development, you have the IO psychologists like me, you have all those other folks in different departments that spread across the organization, right? Then you have a company that will have all that centered in one in one area. Ne- neither model is wrong, you know, but what is going to shape and what's the benefit for the people? Because human resources is to serve humans 
and to provide them with resources. So how is it going to help the organization, right? And I think that's what, I think organizations have to think about that. Simon Sinek talk, talks about this all the time. You have to think about your people. Yes, we know you're in business to make money. That's what a business is for. We get that. I think people that you've hired understand that. They're not dumb, right? But if you don't treat them properly, <laughs> that's why we, I know I'm so passionate about workplace behavior, right? That's what IO psychologists, that's what we do, right? We study that. If you don't treat them properly and, and, and give them the training, uh, give them the ongoing development, give them the space and time according to what their job description is, we understand that, give them that growth and development, then you will continue to have the great resignation. You will continue to have uh, ongoing uh, quiet quitting. And I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I agree with the word great resignation, the great resignation, right? Great. I don't know what's great about it. You know, or, or I think they mean by great by being it's big. You know, well, people have been quitting jobs for a long time, <laughs> you know, so um, so I'm not sure if I re re agree with the word great, but I think going back to the question, I think the culture piece stems from the top. They're the ones that create it. They're, you, people are watching. One, one thing I tell people is when I do consulting, even when I led my own teams, I said, people are always watching you. They're always watching you. They're always watching leaders. They're always watching to see. One thing me is me. I watch leaders to see how human they are. I watch leaders to see if they're going to tell me a story about, about little Bobby at the baseball game, their son or their daughter or their spouse. I listen to that. I don't listen to hear how smart they are. They're obviously in that role for a reason. So I guess they're smart, you know, but I, I want to hear the human side. I don't want to hear the work side because it's work-life integration. How are you integrating both? That's why I'm big on, that's why I call myself the work-life harmonizer, right? You got to, they got to go together. But a lot of these leaders want to just, you know, show their CEO-ness. And I'm leader. I'm this. I'm attending this. I'm attending this conference and I'm doing this today. Well, I kind of want to see, you know, do you go outside and play with your dog? <laughs> you know, um, when you time to vacation, what are you doing on your vacation? That that's a culture change. That's a culture shift. Because if I see my CEO outside playing with his dog, wow, I'm gonna say, wow, he's human. Wow, okay, okay, he's like me. Wow, okay. And as a and as and as and then I'll take that down to my people. It trickles down. And I say, it's okay, guys. It's okay to take an hour. You work from nine to five on a Friday. It's okay to take two hours off and go go pamper yourself. It's okay because the CEO does it. <laughs> yeah, right? I, I, I couldn't I couldn't disagree with that. I've I've had discussions around the um the process of humanizing yourself in a leadership. Mm. Role. It's not mm. necessarily to disclose every little thing about you because nobody wants that. I, right. I, I, Please don't do that. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> that that's not, and it's not appropriate at any level. But with with right. leaders, yeah, those that are following, those that want an example, want to see that the person is like them, uh, and get the yeah. feeling that that's true, and then right. more and more to the point, not just see it, but actually feel. Um, get that because yeah. uh, I, I think you. I think you're exactly right. the The perception I get in the workplace and having worked in different workplaces is, you get a your 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 BS radar gets very attuned to people that are in leadership positions <laughs> that are either faking that. it. Yeah. yeah, they're either faking it, yeah. or they don't want to disclose more than they necessarily have to and uh, keep themselves apart from the rest of the team. I 
I personally have never been a fan of that, but I can understand where some people in leadership roles want a very clear line between uh, their their persona at work and their right. persona that's not at work. And some people right. gel with that quite nicely. There will be some some people in jobs that go, I want to know nothing about um, uh, Joe or or or, or, right. or right. Marla, what she does in her spare time. I just want to know that when they're at work, they're giving a hundred percent, and I've got, uh, um, uh, what do you call it, a signpost for what I need to do. And then right. I think there's everything in between that where, you know, for example, and I've I've interviewed some people for the podcast that are in an artistic space, that that degree of self disclosure is needed more because of the kind of environment that you're working yeah. in. So I think it's yeah. adaptive depending on the workplace, and and we're not talking in anything that people don't already know but um how much time people spend thinking about this stuff is a a different question entirely and and you hinted at this so we'll go to the last topic area if i can well-being and uh burnout so i think Mm -hmm. the two are inextricably linked in my mind um Mm -hmm. what are you seeing in terms of uh promotion of well-being in the workplace and then as a flip to that what are you seeing in terms of burnout from from your experiences, Marla? Oh gosh, uh, uh, we can talk about this for the next ten hours, Eric. <laughs> However, to answer that question, I see the promotion is great. I mean, the promotion is big. I mean, we're you're they're out there promoting it. You know, make sure you take t- take those extra couple hours. Make sure you're using your PTO. Take your time, guys. Go do this. Oh, the promotion is wonderful. The implementation and the practice of it, though, is not. <laughs> let's let's hurt some feelings here because it's 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 good to everybody wants to look good, right? To the public, right? You got to look good to the public. Right. And kind of going back what you said, I love your BS factor. Right. But people people's BS factors are very high now, especially since COVID. Right. COVID pushed that forward. Right. So people's BS factors are really high. You know, so you're saying, you know, you promote this well-being at work. Mm, You're saying, you know, we're going to have this this family day or we're going to go do this. We're going to go do that. You know, but mm, we're going to make sure you guys work um, at least 60 hours a week before, you know, we do it. Or, or, or guess what? We're going to give you this, this, um, bonus or whatnot, or we're going to, um, have a a drawing where X amount of people can pick out. I've seen it before. People can pick, pick out of the hat, you know, to, to win a prize or prize trip. I've actually seen it before win a prize trip. But when they, when they get back from that trip though, their team wasn't taken care of. So they're stressed and, and they're they're basically punished because they won a trip that the organization gave them. (laughs) So, you know, I mean, so it's it's really funny because, again, I can't speak for every organization, but what I've seen is a lot of organizations don't even know what well-being is. Let's start with that. And and well-being is the being of of, of the, the, the wellness of the being. The being is the person. Right. So how well is that person? And and. As human beings, how often do we get it? I say this all the time. How often do we get a chance to simply be? And that's where the well-being comes from. So me being a human being, as I'm stressed out at work, 
I'm constantly on calls. I'm constantly on Zoom calls. You're making me attend all these meetings. When do I have time as a human being to simply be? If you're forcing me to do X, Y, D, if I have to do this, I got to I gotta deliver this. I have a deliverable. I got 15 deliverables I got to get, but I'm on calls all day long. So I have to block my calendar because I can't get to the deliverable. But then if I don't deliver you the deliverable on time, I'm... I'm making a mistake and oh my God, don't make a mistake. Don't make a mistake. I'm punished for making a mistake, but yet we want you to be innovative. (laughs) You know, so going back to your question, is it promoted? Yes, it's promoted. I don't know if it's implemented. I don't know if it's practiced. I don't know if it's exampled, you know, uh, you know, by leadership, you know, kind of going by what we were saying a little bit earlier about, um, Yes, I, I agree. Leaders, really no one should divulge everything they're doing, right? That's just common sense for adults, right? But that goes back to that bringing that humanization into the workplace. You are a human being. The same Susie that lost her puppy dog Scrappy last night is the same Susie that's going to come to work the next day that's going to be sad. And as a leader, I need to acknowledge that. I may not need to know what happened to Scrappy or happened to in your life, but I acknowledge, Susie, you're dealing with something right now. Take some time. Take some time. Matter of fact, we can end this call early and take some time. Go take an extended lunch break. That is a factor of me promoting well-being as a leader. But if I, if Susie, if I see Susie has dealing with something, well, you know, I understand you lost your dog, but um, when can you have that report ready? Can that report be ready by five o'clock? There, there's the burnout. There, there's a burn. That's a burnout statement because now you're you're promoting burnout and you don't even realize it because you didn't even recognize Susie's. Emotions. You didn't even recognize that Scrappy. She told you Scrappy died, you know. But you, you, you know, you the re- the report that you need deliver in, at five o'clock is more important than that. Which it may be. It may be more important. But what will happen if Susie just quit on the spot? Will that report? What's going to happen to the report? <laughs> because it's here in uh, here in America, we have what we call at will organizations. It's an at will company, you know. So no one's forcing this person to be here. So that person leaves. What's going to happen to your report? Oh, looks like you, leader. You may have to do that report <laughs> because you didn't acknowledge Scrappy. You didn't acknowledge Scrappy. And it sounds so simple and so silly, but guess what? That's what that's what Generation Z is doing. They're, they're not, you're not acknowledging them, so they're leaving. <laughs> you're not feeding into what they want, so they leave. They take those expertise, those skills elsewhere because you didn't simply ask the question or you didn't simply acknowledge uh, their emotions at that time. And so- the well-being piece comes in a factor where, and it's, it's, keep in mind, well-being is so huge. We could talk about it for, for years. But uh, I think well-being in the workplace is simply first acknowledging that your team, your people are human beings. Start with that. They're not machines. They're not robots. They are human beings. And they're intelligent human beings. And if they're, and guess what? They're going to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is where you as a leader need to coach them, guide them. Don't give up on them. Now, if there's behavior issues, if there's ongoing problems and you've done the coaching, well, that's I'm not, we're talking about, that's a whole separate podcast, right? But people are going to make mistakes. People are going to have days where they come to work and they're just not feeling themselves. Maybe they weren't, they were sick last night. Maybe they had a sick, maybe they had a sick child last night. Maybe their, their, their parent passed away the night before, or they're taking care of their parent and they're just exhausted. They're tired. You know, as a leader, we need to recognize that 
and understand that plays into their well-being. So they're already coming to work because they have other things that they're dealing with. Now here you come because you have your requirements. So that person has to be what they're not. They have to be this machine, which they're not. So that's going to cause them to feel some kind of way. And because if they can't satisfy you, the leader, and get the job done the way you want it done, that's where autonomy comes into place, where you want the way you want it done. Oh, now, now they're a failure, which I don't believe in that word, but, but now they're a failure. Now, now they, now they haven't learned enough. Right. So, so I got to find space to do the job. Okay. Well, fine. You can find spells, but what did you lead her to do to, what did you do to help that person? to coach that person, to lead them and guide them in their well-being and in, in what they need done. So if you're paying attention to well-being in the workplace, then as leaders, if they're paying attention, then, the, the, then your people will be fine. But what we've discovered is, going back to the very first statement, it's promoted, but it's not implemented as much. It's not, an example is not being shown as much, but it's, oh, promotion is high. Promotion is very high. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like you've had a lot of experience with that. I, I was interested when you said um, uh, the employer makes the burnout statement and suddenly they're not worried about uh, the health and well-being of the people that they've got. Yeah. To what yeah. degree, though, uh, and I'll flip this around a little bit if I can, is taking care of self and avoiding burnout in yourself just as important and an example here is you you might have a a, a team member or multiple team members uh, that are your, your type a personality yeah. that work is all that drives them yeah. um an inability to manage yourself can lead to very bad consequences when it comes to burnout so i yeah. If, if I had to weigh this up, I would say there there is uh, some give and take here when it comes to understanding what burnout looks like because it's one thing if you've got a bad, ineffective, toxic work culture versus the person themselves. So in, in an environment where everything is good, you're well looked after, your leadership actually gives a crap about you in the job, but you don't look after yourself and you start mm -hmm. to burn out. That's a different yeah. conversation. And that yeah. that one I think goes to the heart of um no amount of training and development is going to stop someone's personality uh dominating right. if all all they focus on is their work. So do you mm -hmm. see um a space, I guess, for personal accountability when it comes to burnout in some circumstances? Yeah, something I, oh, this is such a good question, Eric. Something I always, always tell my clients is you have to schedule you on your calendar. If you look at your calendar, work calendar, personal calendar, whatever calendar, and it's constantly filled with all these meetings and you're not anywhere on there, then you're letting the world run you <laughs> instead of you running your world. I'm not a fan of the, the term time management. I think it's dumb. You can't manage something that keeps moving, right? But I am a fan of what you just said earlier. You said people, person management, your self-management. You can only manage you. So this is where boundaries come into place. Whenever I'm coaching someone, I always say, well, what, what do you have blocked on your calendar to do that? They say they want to they wanna read 15 minutes. Is that blocked on your calendar? They, they want to write this book. Is that blocked on your calendar? Is writing time blocked on your, well, what do you mean block it? No, write the word, write a book, write five, one page in my book, put it on your calendar. Your, the brain has to see the words in the actual device, in, in your actual in your actual phone, right? It has to it has to say that because if not, you'll, you won't do it. If you want to go to the gym, like example, I have on my phone, 
go to go to the gym <laughs> and work out, right? So if you if I see that on there, oh okay, uh, then this is my hours, this is my boundary to do that. So that means during that time, if I go to the gym, that means I'm not on the phone, I'm not I'm not watching TV unless unless the gym has a big TV that I can watch. But you know, I'm I'm doing that. I'm doing that one activity. So yes, you are responsible. It is not your organization's responsibility to make sure you are taken care of 100%. It is something is your responsibility, just like it is not your organization's responsibility to make sure you are promoted and your career is taken care of. I have a phrase called creating your career. It's not your leader's job to create your career. Now, can they help you? Can they is is it is it a leader's job to help you, guide you, coach you? Yes. That, that's leadership one-on-one. Yes. Every person that I've led, I have I can honestly say I've helped them in their career. I've helped promote their career, but but they have to come to me and tell me what they want. I'm not I'm not psychic. I don't know, you know. But they have to talk to me about it. Hey, Marla, I got a question. Or so I, I've given that advice. I've given that um, unsolicited advice. Right. So I think that it's a it's a two two edged sword. Right. Yes, you as an individual, you have to take responsibility for your well being. If you see yourself getting burnt out, then you need to stop. Put a boundary, put a blocker on your calendar, put a boundary. Because guess what? Who are you? This is I ask folks this question. Who are you trying to look good for <laughs> by continuously going on and on and on? Right? You're, 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 you're continuously doing this work pattern. You're, I got to work. I got to work. Okay. You, you mentioned it earlier. You said that some people are fed by that. They're, oh, that feeds their soul to work, 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 work. And my Dr. Phil voice, how's that working out for you? It doesn't from the people I've coached. Uh, again, I haven't coached the world, so I don't know. But the people I've coached, they I've, I've had quite a few people that are workaholics. I, I think I work a lot, but at the same time, I also play a lot too. You know, so it's a, it's a balance for me. It's, it's a harmonization. I don't like balance. Harmonization for me, right? So the folks that I've coached, um, those worker those worker bees that just got to be seen and there's something deeper going on. It's, it's more of a psychological issue going on. And sometimes it's something from the past, sometimes too, from what I've discovered, but um, we won't get into that. But um, but I do ask them that question. What do you, what, what do you, what's the reward here besides the paycheck? What is the, what's the reward of this continuous, I'm a go-getter, I'm a diehard workaholic here. My company needs me. No, they don't. They can replace you. <laughs> they are, they can replace you. I always, and I, and I hate to go drastic, but I always do this, Eric. I say to folks, I say to folks, okay, you're working. I get it. You're passionate about your job. I'm passionate about my job. I'm passionate about my work too. I always have been. But I also know I never lose sight of two things, Eric. And we can close on this. I never lose sight that an organization is a business. They have The number, number one goal is to make money. I never lose sight of that. And number two, I never lose sight of the fact that, God forbid, I can go out here and die tomorrow they will replace me. And I hate for people to, I hate to, to put it so drastically, but it is the truth. And if you keep those two thoughts in the back of your mind, you, you'll, you'll be easy. Your, your BS sniffer will be very high because mine's high. I can sniff it out real good, <laughs> right? And and you can, you'll see, oh, okay, this company doesn't care. <laughs> you'll figure it out real quick. If you keep those two things in the back of your mind, it's not personal, right? It's not personal. Some companies, again, some companies get it. That's why we said this earlier. 
about the business piece and and, and I, I value my employees because they're the ones that make me the money. I get it. And some companies don't. The money comes first. People don't come first. It doesn't matter. Right. So again, I don't know every company, but it, that's just the that's just the way it is. So those two things, you keep those things in the back of your mind, that can help you with burnout. Because God forbid something can happen to you. You and I are we're all on a conveyor belt. None of us know our time. So you're you're bleeding, you're you're sweating, you're missing your kids' games, graduations, and all this stuff because you're loyal. Something happens to you. They're they're just gonna send flowers to your funeral to your family and they'll they'll have your job description up probably within 24 hours. I've seen it. <laughs> so. Wow. Well, that, that's an interesting way to end the discussion. Mala, I, I do appreciate your time. Thank you for sharing your insights. And I think we will come back and unpack some of what we've discussed here. Yeah, you can only do I so love much. to. This is awesome. I love this. Thanks again for joining us. That concludes the podcast. And I'd really like to thank Marla for sharing her insights with us on this thing called leadership. Our next podcast drops on the 25th of September and features a discussion we had with Duncan Armstrong, Olympic champion, broadcaster, event host, motivator, and leadership consultant. As always, thank you for joining us. Please drop a like if you enjoyed the content or subscribe to the channel to help it grow. Your support is very much appreciated. Thank you again. Have a great day, rest of your week, and we'll catch everyone on the next episode of Talking Leadership TV.